and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 63. How did we get to show 63 already? I was actually uh, chatting to a friend the other day and was mentioning the awesome uh, chat that I had on show number 40, I think it was 43, 42 or 43 with Mike Viking, the New York Times bestselling author of The Little Book of Huga. Um, who's actually got a new book. I'll be getting Mike back on the show early next year to talk about the little book of Luca, which is the little book of happiness. Anyway, so I was saying, oh, yes, show show 42 or 43. She's like, you've done that many? I'm like, actually, when I was recording the intro to last week's show, we've actually done over 60, which is just amazing. And I want to thank you all for joining me every week. I know the topics are varied and wide and I just love the feedback that this community that's building as podcast listeners are actually into the fact that we cover a whole bunch of stuff. I think we can overindulge on health topics and everything that might be wrong with humanity and uh, might be wrong with the planet, but I really love to always pepper things with what is right and how we can do right by ourselves and by the planet with some beautiful, positive, uh, affirmative information as well. So it's always such a thrill to hear your feedback on how you all appreciate the ebbs and flows of the topics and moods. It's awesome. What shall I tell you first? I will also tell you that we have the amazing Walida Whole Foods Collective and Pucker Tees with us again this week and it's great to see some of you already telling me some of the great things that you're making the most of with these brilliant offers that they've given us. Walida, I thought I'd tell you this week some of my favourite things from them to gift as end of year gifts for teachers at schools or, uh, you know, the dance teacher or the soccer coach or just these sorts of people. We always want to give a little something. We don't want it to cost the earth. Pardon the pun, both ways, of course, uh, cost us and cost the earth. But we we want to give something meaningful and lovely. And from Walida, I think my favourite go-tos are the hand creams. The almond hand cream is just gorgeous. I don't think there's a human on the planet that wouldn't find that an absolutely joyful thing to put on your hands throughout the day. It's really light, so it's not a very greasy cream, not very oily and rich. So it's a a great one to just reapply a couple of times during the day if you get dry hands, but you don't want that oily feeling. And it's got a gorgeous, subtle fragrance of almonds. It's beautiful. Skin Food, which is one of their cult products, nearly 100 years old, this thing, and it is incredible. So if you know someone who works a lot with their hands, you know, brilliant for a soccer coach or or a sporty kind of teacher who do quite vigorous work, um, the gardener <laughs> could be anyone in that kind of realm. Definitely Skin Food would be appreciated. But you have also the gorgeous lip balms, which are really inexpensive, or something gorgeous like a, um, I think body oil can be a little bit misconstrued. Why are you giving me a body oil? You know, massage and, and sexiness, and maybe that's just not going to go down too well. But something that does go down super well is beautiful shower gel. And the citrus shower gel or the sea buckthorn shower gels are two super, super gorgeous products and, again, really amazing value. So on top of the fact that they're already really reasonable and reachable uh, in terms of um, the cost of the range, you've got 15% off again and free shipping with $29.95 or more. I'm so sorry this is just for our Australians, but please do make the most of that with your low-tox life code at www.walita.com.au. If you're furiously writing notes, please don't panic. All of this is in the show notes. So... Speaking of wonderful gifting, something that's even less of an outlay if you need to get lots and lots of gifts for all sorts of different peoples is tea and beautifully packaged herbal teas from Pucker are always well received. I've gifted Pucker teas to so many people just as a beautiful little thought, maybe as a follow-up or a thank you at the end of the year to a wonderful loyal customer, you know, whatever it could be, that sort of under $10 is just an amazing thing this time of year. And the good news about the Pucker Tea offer is we actually have UK, hello, Britain and Ireland and 
uh, Wales, Scotland, you guys have 20% off and so do the Aussies. So 20% off the Pucker range and I still have a couple of spots for our USA listeners to pop a note in the comments of the show notes and for us to literally send you a box of pucker tea for the first 10 people. I've still got a couple and I know there are like over a thousand of you guys in the US that listen to this show a week, each week. So you're out there, just pop to the show notes or have a little look at the pucker tea website and choose a flavor that you might like to try and they will send it to you. But there's only a couple left. So jump on now and just get it done so that you get your beautiful box of tea. It's coming to a super cold time of year for you guys. So my favorites for cold weather are Revitalize and Three Cinnamon. They're really warming and beautiful and often we turn to sweets when it's colder. So Three Cinnamon's great because it really helps us stabilize those blood sugars and stave off cravings. It's gorgeous. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you about was the Whole Foods Collective, a wonderful business that we have decided to affiliate with because, well, obviously there's the practicality of how much time we as a business spend sharing the brands that we value and believe in and want you guys to know about. So we obviously need to cover our staffing costs in putting together all the resources that we do. And that's why affiliation is amazing because it means we can support businesses that we really believe in and want to see fly without going under ourselves, spending money on things there's no return on. So thank you to anyone who purchases through our affiliate links because it helps support us do the work we do. And with the Whole Food Collective, I I just, I can't tell you how many times I've heard you guys at my talks or in comments on the blog or chats on the Facebook page or the alumni e-course chat groups how do I afford more organic food for my family? I find the pantry stables crippling in cost and we just can't do it. And the Whole Foods Collective has modelled their business model on a similar business in the US called Thrive Market. And what you're basically doing is you're paying a membership for the year. It's only $59. So it's, it's peanuts once you've ordered a couple of orders might even want some peanuts. Oh, see what I did there? And then uh, for that, you get a whole bunch of educational resources, content, recipe inspiration. We're looking at trying to put something together with our Lotox Life e-courses for you guys and doing some bonuses for people who are Whole Foods Collective's members. So stay tuned on that front. But you pay that membership and then that gives you around on average 30% off your Whole Food Pantry staples cart and they've got everything from all the flowers to all the nuts to you know I even got some magnesium the other day tahini all those things that you pop in fridge and pantry that are like your sauces and and pantry staples 30% off for just $59 a year Plus, we've got 10%, extra 10% off for you guys. So, all of the details are in this week's show notes. And your code is LOWTOX and then you go shopping and you get not only your 30% off because you become a member with that 59, but at the moment you're getting an extra 10% off with that first order. Please go check this business out. They are a beautiful husband and wife team and have five tiny children. So I really don't know how they got this off the ground. I, I would have been in some sort of half coma trying to start a business with five small kids, but um, they're clearly made of stronger stuff than I am and they've really started something fantastic for people who have have just that block around that cost and can't seem to get there. For me, this is a no-brainer for people who want to make that change but who've found up till now budget-wise it's just not possible because that really brings it right in line with conventional pantry staples in terms of pricing. So go for it. Thank you for patienting with me. Uh, patienting, gosh, that's a very French. I've had my cousin here from France the last week. Patienter is to be patient with someone. Um, so I'm starting to use these little French words in my and and English and, and turning them into English words when they're really, really not English words. 
So thank you for being patient with me as I share the sponsors this week, if you've already made the most of them. I know I go on for a few minutes, but it's really important to me that our show continues and the practicality of us spending between 14 to 20 hours a week putting together these shows from start to finish and everybody who's involved and our producer and my wonderful EA who writes the show notes and and all that kind of stuff and us wanting to eventually start to get a transcription. That's our next goal for the podcast to have transcriptions ready for you guys each week. All those things that cost time and money, again, practicality, and our show sponsors help us put this on every single week. So we adore them. We vet everybody very fiercely before uh, agreeing to promote any brands. And we always make sure that it's not just flagrant promotion, but there's actually something in it for you guys and a wonderful offer. So thank you so much for understanding that that's a part of our show and we're very proud that it is. Now, this week, I thought it would be interesting now that we're in the end of November and all of us are headed towards holidays, no matter whether we're religious or not or what religion or no religion, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on this time of year. There's a lot of stress that comes with a lot of family get-togethers, friends get-togethers, corporate get-togethers, you know, the office parties and all the things. And communication breakdowns can often happen. And I was brainstorming with the team last month, you know, I'd really love to get someone on who who can help us have more successful communication that doesn't turn instantly into stress, anger or fighting. And Elise, my EA, found a wonderful non-violent communication or compassionate communication specialist, Paulette, who is who's just a pleasure to chat to. You know, you'll hear me giggle a few times in the show where I go, oh gosh, I think I've been through that at home or, you know, with a cousin or an uncle or a I think you'll you'll see situations in your own life throughout the entire chat today and Paulette wonderfully gives us some tips on how to find empathy in a situation, on how to not go and jump straight to fixing something when someone's angry. It is such a practical chat. I would definitely get out a pen and paper f- to make some notes and to have a think about how we can be more compassionate communicators moving forward. I certainly learned a lot. I've been using the techniques since we chatted a couple of weeks ago and I can tell you that they're actually really helpful. It sounds like, you know, often, and I even remember thinking this to myself when we were chatting, you you haven't tried that with my husband, (laughs) you know, things like that. But then actually what I haven't tried is those techniques when, you know, like it's impossible to go through a relationship with someone for 40 years and and not have some tense moments or see things differently sometimes and, and not understand the other person. And I think the more we can equip ourselves with compassion at those moments and those points in time, the more successful we're going to be at moving through those frustrations or anger or feeling like we're not heard or, you know, all those sorts of things that happen in relationships, really strong relationships or even um, weaker ones where there uh, feels like there's lots of issues going on. These tips are useful for everybody in whatever type of relationship. You could be the happiest person in the world. You're going to listen to this chat and you will get something from it that you're going to be able to apply this week. So I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I enjoyed having it. Here's Paulette. Hi, Paulette. How are you? Really well, Alex. That's good. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here, especially at this time of year where tensions can run high. Um, You know, December can bring on stress for people and and I'm looking forward to making a part of our show talking about those those busy kind of celebratory season uh, tensions that can arise. But I'd love to start by sharing with everyone listening today a little bit a bit more about how you came to be doing what you do today because it's amazing work and such important work and, uh, and I think if we start there, all good things will flow. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful to have come across this process and it's almost like it found me. Um, because it showed up a few times persistently when I was pregnant with my second child. Uh, I was on maternity leave um, from my work with TAFE and a couple that I didn't know enthusiastically sort of rallied me into a spontaneous training and shared some of this process with me. 
Um, I didn't quite get its potential. It was interesting, but it wasn't until later it showed up again and um, an excited parent shared its potential for parenting with compassion, and I got it then. I was really excited. I was ripe to learn. I was pregnant. Um, I loved being a mum, and I wanted to be the best parent I could be. And I was keen to learn new skills and have more tools to support me to do that. As much as I love my parents, and I know they did the best they could, um, I wanted new models and I wanted to parent differently to what I experienced. Um, My father was quite authoritarian and sadly um, I was scared of him and I avoided him. Oh, wow. And on the other hand, yeah, it's it's quite sad when I look back and that's how parenting was back then to a large extent. Yeah. Particularly with fathers who, um, you know, worked 35, 40 hours a week and probably found the children more of an irritation (laughs) than fun sometimes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And it, well, and now a lot of parents are working 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. So, yeah. And we'll go into parenting in more detail. Um, But what is the process that you found? Does it have a name? Yeah, it's called nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. And um, that's after Gandhi's nonviolent movement so um, the acronym is NVC it's also known as compassionate communication so it has two titles and it's both a personal practice in helping us connect with our common humanity or you know it can be a spiritual process for some and it's also a very practical and powerful communication tool um, with concrete learnable skills that we can put in place it feels like our world needs that more than ever right now doesn't it yeah absolutely (laughs) um but to think less globally and more at home maybe to start with I'd love to ask you something that comes up in conversation in my family um uh I talk about it with my sister a lot because we're both um we're both uh, full-time working people by nature. We, we love work as much as we love family and, and we always commit to both. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of couples out there now have the woman and the man both working um, full-time jobs. How, um, how can we bring <laughs> compassionate communication into this um, brave new world where all of a sudden it's not like there's any less work at home to do, but we're still not quite up to the point where we're divvying that work up evenly between the couple who are both full-time working. Um, Have you got any tips for us to navigate this sort of area of life if this is causing tension at home? Yeah, how we respond is really important and um, that's where MVC comes to the rescue Um, because most of us have been educated from birth to judge and blame and demand and um, to think and communicate in ways that hurt other people and create misunderstanding and conflict. And when we speak to people like that, it makes sense that they don't really want to cooperate with us. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so NBC encourages us to um, come from our heart rather than our head. And it's also really nurturing in that it asks us to turn our attention to ourselves first. So if I'm feeling uncomfortable about um, something happening at home, maybe I <clears throat> an example you gave was um, the dishwasher um, still being only half emptied. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that can, they're small irritations and yet they can really um, grow into something bigger than they need to. Yeah, and, that's right. So, Anna, how do we stop them growing and I'm, I'm just going to caveat here just in case my beautiful husband does listen he is a brilliant uh, uh, partner in in equal home management um, but we've both worked on that as a couple to make yeah. sure that happens and um, and we both kind of have our jobs now because that just makes it easier for everybody to understand what we need to do um, yeah. I'll, I'll be the cook during the week 
he'll do the um, runs downstairs to the laundry and dishwasher and get the little man breakfast and fed. And, you know, we I think if we've got it clearly defined, we're good. Um, and it's when yeah. it's not clearly defined that it's not. But how do we get to that point and how do we address the irritations before they get big? Yeah, well, you know, in, in all relationships there's going to be conflict. It's a part of life and it it's is, how yeah. we manage it. Mm. Yeah. So whenever we have, you know, uncomfortable feelings, it's a sign our body is communicating with us that something that matters to us is not happening. Mm. So there's a value or need um, that isn't isn't being attended to. So in the case of, say, the dishwasher, um, it's maybe we might be feeling annoyed or just, or even angry um, because we may have had this conversation before and we want to be able to trust that our partner will follow through, that there's respect and equality in the distribution of, of jobs around the house. So we turn our attention inward and notice how we feel and what is that important thing that's not happening for us. Mm. That gives us the clarity to be able to speak and own our perspective. But before we start to speak with others, when we've done that exploration of ourselves, it often happens naturally that we then have curiosity about what's going on for the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're all privy to the conversation. They know we have things run more smoothly when we both follow through on the agreed tasks about the house. So um, instead of assuming or jumping to a conclusion about judging them, as being slack or lazy or making an assumption about why their commitment wasn't followed through, I start to guess maybe there's some good reasons. Maybe something happened that I don't know about. So I initiate the conversation with just asking, you know, I know we had this conversation and when I saw that the dishwasher still had things in it, I felt annoyed because – and. Yeah, because I want to be able to trust that we each do what we have to do and we can get on with our busy days. So I'm wondering what was happening for you. Mm. And, you know, I might learn that they got a phone call that interrupted them and then they went to do something else with every intention of coming back. Um, chances are it's just some something innocuous like that that um, need not become any bigger than it is. It's just, okay, we're all human, things happen. Um, would you be willing to, to do it now or um, what can we do to um, remember to go back to things if we get distracted? <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> I love the way you're using the word we here. That's lovely. What could we do, sweetie, darling, love of my yeah. life? Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose it is collaborative because they have their needs are important and my needs are important. So, there is very much a we approach to it. Absolutely. And I love what you've said there about not internally chatting to yourself about all the things that um, that uh, they – like I, I can't remember how you said it, but it was almost like we've got to talk to them openly and curiously about why it wasn't done versus us coming up with this whole idea that – um, but judging them, and I, I think that is so key. I know I've done that myself. I know I have, um, and I can't pretend it's not going to be the last time. But it, is it a skill? Like, do we? Is it like a muscle that if we work this, we get better and better at it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it takes quite a lot of practice, especially because, as I said, we've been conditioned from birth to communicate in a different way, and often going to judgment and those those angry judgmental thoughts are really natural. It's it's often the first place I go in my mind. I'm just training myself to recognize that's where I've gone and how it doesn't serve me. Mm. It actually contributes to me feeling more angry and disconnected. Or if I'm judging and blaming myself, it can cause me to feel guilt, shame or depression. Yeah. So it's almost like what we say to ourselves about the situation is then what forms it becoming a big thing. It certainly plays a huge role. Yeah. And it's interesting with something like the dishwasher to realise, oh, the first thought might be, oh, they're so disrespectful, they don't care, look, they've just left this mess. <laughs> so lots of labels and judgments. Yeah. Whereas it's quite different if we say, oh, I see five plates and four cups and some spoons still in the dishwasher. Yeah. 
So that <laughs> context to reality. Such a first world problem, really. Yeah. 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 Um, wow, that's yeah, it's such a great way of looking at things. So let's say um, let's just talk about a few more um, uh, ideas at home. Um, say getting everything that the child needed to have ready for school and you had the note on the fridge and, and it was all there but it wasn't done and then the kid comes home and tells one of you, whoever it was, um, that picked them up that that actually they didn't get to run in the race because they didn't have the sports shoes in the bag or something. And is it the same principle as the dishwasher? Is it that we just need to, to, to not fly off the handle it was just one day and one issue with the school bag and, and talk to the partner about how it makes us feel Yeah, when those things it, are, aren't done? Yeah, my, my guess is that everyone in that scenario would feel sad and disappointed. Mm, yeah. Nobody did anything on purpose. Yeah, and, that's right, exactly. That's it. Yeah, so really holding space and compassion for our humanity and also tuning into the disappointment of the child, you mm. know, that... You know, it sounds like they were looking forward to running in that race and they didn't have that opportunity because all their equipment wasn't there and how frustrating and annoying that might have been for them or distressing. Mm. So we can't change mm. it or even that's not our intention. Rather, we just meet them in that feeling of disappointment and how they wished it could be different. Aww. And then at some point, yeah, and then we <laughs> might share how how not disappointed we are that we um, missed putting those things in and that for whatever reason we didn't follow through on that action and how what might be able to what might support me to remember next time or yeah so it's quite um, productive and constructive in that it honors what happened we spend as much time as is necessary just meeting and being with the feelings and the unmet needs and then when there's a, a readiness in both parties, then we might look at, okay, what can we do next time? I love that solution-based angle at the end because quite often these situations come up. Someone says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. And then the other person goes, okay. And then the kid, you know, in the middle, poor little thing, um, kind of just goes along with the fact that the the two parents or the um, two carers have said, sorry, sorry, didn't mean it, yada, yada. But it doesn't feel like it dissipates if you leave it there and everybody then goes on with doing their own thing. So for me, what you're saying there is the next thing we've got to add in there is a, a solution and a preventative solution for the future. Yeah, that's mm. right. And also a little bit more than sorry. Because sorry is, you know, as the song goes sorry said so easily yeah and no one counts the cost it's acknowledging in with a bit more depth that the depth of their feelings and that there was something that was important to them that didn't happen Mm. yeah so good um and in terms of um anger when when one partner can't or even just a friend you know anger comes at us in in all forms over life's course um when someone's angry at us for something and we can see that they can't manage their anger down in that situation um, or certainly not on that occasion, is there anything we can do in the face of someone being really overtly angry at us to to help them be less angry when we've apologised, let's say, for something um, or, you know, said it's a misunderstanding and this is what happened but they're still angry? Can we do anything to help them? Yeah, well, one important thing is to remember it's a, it's not really about us. Their anger is um, they have an unmet need. They've probably got some distressing thoughts going, judging and blaming thoughts happening in their mind. Mm-hmm. So keeping ourselves calm so that we can be available as much as possible for them. And tone of voice is careful. We don't want to be patronising. At the same time, we want to acknowledge, I can see you're angry. I can see this really means a lot to you. Yeah. And they will say whatever they say or, you know, it wasn't what I expected and, you know, you had – so I'd say back, you had – you were disappointed. It sounds like you were really expecting something different to this. Mm. 
And I'm trying to get clarity about what is this important thing that isn't happening for them that yeah. didn't happen. Oh, I like that. That's great. Yeah, so I'm meeting them where they are. I'm not trying to fix it or change it at this point. I'm just acknowledging this is really distressing for you. I can see that. Mm. And this is, you know, you wanted something different to happen and it didn't. And when we meet people in this way, their anger does dissipate and at some point they usually sigh or they go quiet. Mm -hmm. Then it's an opportunity to maybe share how I was feeling if I think that might be constructive or to pose the question, so how would you like to move forward? What could we do differently? Um, once again, you know, co together creating the way forward. Together creating the way forward. That's my favourite revelation so far with what you've said. I'm almost excited to have my next yeah. disagreement with my my husband just so I can actually use that tool because that to me sounds so powerful. Um, often um, someone will be offended by the way someone said something when that person meant zero offence. And um, is that another situation where we would um, where we would use that that idea of saying, "Gosh, I can see that really offended you. That's so not what I meant." Um, would that be the right thing to say in those sorts of situations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I say things I regret sometimes, like like most of us, and my intention isn't to offend. And when I realise that offence has been taken, um, I usually feel pretty sad about the misunderstanding and and want to express that to the person. So once again, we start with um, hearing how it was for them. So an example I had um, not long ago actually was um, someone in a training referred to her partner and I made the assumption about the, the agenda of the partner. So I referred to their partner as he um, assuming that they were heterosexual and I was corrected. And so I could notice some irritation in that person and I was able to say, you know, I'm wondering if you're feeling annoyed and you really want reassurance that I'm open or a sense of inclusion in the conversation. Um, maybe you're concerned that you, you're not being met with acceptance. Yeah. So I could empathise with how they experienced that event, even though I was experiencing it differently, even or even when I am experiencing it differently. That's so mm. key, isn't it? To empathise with them, even though you're experiencing it differently, because we're all just having our own experience, and no one can be inside our own mind. Um, so I yeah, just, yeah, I can hear their hurt without turning on myself with guilt or blame. Mm. Gosh, that's important. Oh, my gosh. That is so, so important. Healthy. Yeah. <laughs> because we, and, you know, I feel like that's every everything Brene Brown's ever taught us over the years in one sentence. I can hear where they're at without turning on myself um, mm. and denying my, my own experience of a situation. I think that's so important too. Um, how... Uh, I, I'm I'm going to go off on a tangent and I, I did not uh, tell you that we were going to talk about this, but I think domestic violence is such a huge issue in um, society today. Um, I'm so keen to hear your thoughts on anything that we can do in the early blissful stages of couplehood before that sort of seems to, to look like it might even be on the horizon um, to, to diffuse, acknowledge, acknowledge, uh, uh, use some tools or know when it's time to refer outside support into the situation. Have you worked um, at all on that with people? Uh, I'd be super keen to see what you think because it's, it's, it's almost foolish of us not to mention it um, when we're yeah. talking about com compassionate <laughs> communication because with compassionate communication there is no domestic violence. Um, but unfortunately there is, so clearly we need to bring more compassion into our relationships um, uh, to change the future of, of this horrible statistic um, that yeah. keeps rearing its ugly head. Yeah, this, it certainly can help and it, it does come up. It's, you know, in the work that I do. Um, 
if people are fortunate enough to prepare before they get married, I think learning the MVC process is a hugely helpful tool at any point um, in a relationship. Yeah. Um, I was about um, or 15 years into my relationship before I learned MVC and it's never too late to enjoy the benefits. Um, one of the beautiful things um, I think MVC has to offer uh, victims of domestic violence is to hold themselves with compassion and once again recognise that their self-talk um, can really contribute to their well-being. Yes, um, okay. If someone else is speaking to them in a way that's disrespectful, it's about them not also joining that that self-disrespect. Um, mm -hmm. So it has a lot um, to offer in terms of um, reframing what's going on um, and helping victims move forward in a healthy way. It can also contribute to how they communicate um, couples at the outset. Um, so if they both learn the skills, then they can both be um, sharing that responsibility of caring for the relationship and bringing respect into what's, how they're relating with each other. Mm. So it really is a shared, a shared responsibility. At the same time, it can benefit a single individual um, in terms of the way they treat themselves and the way they respond to their environment. That's so important, isn't it? Because that can become really broken when you're being um, abused, either emotionally, yeah. physically. Um, and yeah. it also helps people um, decide where their boundaries, where they want to put their boundaries. And, you know, is this the, the quality of relationship I want to be in? How can I reach out or, you know, I'm sure this, how can I move forward? How can I find a way to make things different? Mm. Sometimes that's working within the relationship, bringing supports in um, and seeking support and other times it might be leaving that relationship. Yeah. And, and, and that's definitely when it's time to get some outside help so you feel supported through that process, I'd imagine. Yeah, and, and one of the wonderful things about um, nonviolent communication too is there's a lot of resources on the internet. Um, there are lots of tools. People can self-educate to a large extent and get a lot of um, relief as well. Mm -hmm. um, one of my big aha moments in the beginning was when I – I was very new to MBC. I wasn't particularly skilled. And um, I, as I said earlier, I learned about MBC when I was pregnant with my second child. I ended up having um, a pretty distressing birth. And MBC helped me work through that and look at why was I so distressed, what needs of mine were not met in that experience. Oh, wow. And, yeah, incredibly healing. So it has a lot um, – lot to offer in terms of us working on ourselves as much as other, understanding others and getting support from outside. I love that. Um, and speaking of children, disciplining children is something a lot of people struggle with. And I think something when I talk to um, families, I do a lot of corporate workshops uh, for children's health and, and nutrition. And, um, and something that often comes up around fussy eating, for example, is, um, look, we both work till 6pm and when we get home, we just don't want any stress or any retaliation. So if they want to eat something different, we make them something else and, and things like that. And it's almost like we're avoiding, um, I'm not saying everybody who works full time does this, but it's, it's people who've been telling me that this is going on and a real challenge for them. They just want peace at home and they're prepared to do anything to get it for that precious couple of hours that they get with their children every day. So um, I guess the question I have around that is um, uh, for me when I think about then all the kids gravitating towards potatoes and pasta and not getting vital nutrients and a huge variety of foods to, to make them big and strong and healthy and clever, um, that concerns me and I'm, I'm wondering how we can – create healthy boundaries and stick to them as parents when it comes to something basic like food um, without it causing tension? Like how do we, how do we, um, how do we do that, do you think? What's the, what, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, food can be um, a huge issue in, in parenting and families. And I really understand the, the choices that those parents are making in terms of um, they're longing for peace and ease at the end of a, a, a big day at work and it sounds like they're prioritising connection with their kids over um, being in the kitchen cooking. Um, and at the same time, there's some concern about how that is contributing to the health and well-being of their growing children. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. really wanting to meet, there's lots of needs there. There's needs for peace, ease, connection and health and well-being. So once again, it's about, okay, these needs really matter to me. Is there anything I can do to accommodate as many of them as possible? Mm -hmm. um, a friend I had um, worked, uh, she was a nurse and she worked Tuesday to Saturday, and so Monday was her cooking day. Um, so she found a strategy where she would spend the whole day of Monday preparing meals, even making lunches, putting them in the freezer, and the rest of the day, the rest of the week, uh, she had a lot more ease and, you know, could connect, I suppose, with more ease with her family. Mm. So, yeah, it's about families finding the strategy that works for them um, and balancing as many of those needs as possible. And it is it is doable. Um, it's just thinking very creatively. Yeah, and I think really maximising your time, and we talk about that a lot in um, in the low-tox community. You know, if you're cooking one thing and you've got to chop an onion for the one thing, why don't you get a second thing on the go that has to start mm -hmm. the same way so that that can pop in the freezer and you can, um, you know, pull it out midweek. There's so many things you can do. But when we, um, when we have retaliation from our kids uh, about the food that we've put in front of them, how can we teach them compassionate uh, communication in situations like that? W what are some great parent-to-child to kind of strategies? Yeah. So with parenting, I think, you know, MVC is, is an awesome parenting tool and it's best taught to children through modelling, okay. just through enacting it ourselves. So just as we don't like being... Um, told to eat something we don't like we treat our children with the same respect we treat anyone else mm -hmm. so it's about a curiosity is that what is it about that is there something about that food you don't enjoy yeah and recognizing that you know that's just one vegetable out of a whole array of possible ways they can get those nutrient needs met mm. so mm. once again you know being flexible being willing to experiment with them, maybe going to the markets and tr trying new things together, buying things and um, engaging them, showing respect for their choices and communicating how much we care about well-being and how much food is a part of um, how we get that that health and well-being. Music to my ears. That's exactly what we do in our community. So I feel like big ticks for us, everybody yeah. out there who's done the Thrive course and and really struggled and, you know, involving the child and going on a journey together as opposed to do this, don't do that or shaming them, which is probably mm -hmm. the worst you could do, right, for um, not eating something, um, attaching them as being a good girl or boy or a bad girl or boy for not eating something. It just feels to me like that, that then creates a shame cycle um, and that can really yeah. chip away at a little person, let alone a big person. Um, and... Uh, and I guess um, another question I have around um, disciplining children is when stuff just needs to get done and I'm going to use a really typical example like everyone's just got to get their shoes on and, you know, you say it nicely three times and then you shout because it just seems like no one's hearing you. As a parent, when you feel like you're just not being heard, what are some of the things that we can do to get our point across to our children um, that, I mean, I don't even know if we can break this cycle. It seems like it's happened for millennia, kids not listening to parents when stuff needs to get done. But is there anything we can do? Yeah, and um, importantly, we have the conversation with the child at a different time. Oh, so okay. it's not when yeah. we're rushing to get in the car to go. So, um, so maybe it's the last time we did lose our temper and, and raise our voice with our kid, maybe when they come home that afternoon while they're having their, you know, their afternoon snack, we just reflect back on that. You know, I'm, this morning 
I raise my voice at you and I feel really sad about that because I want us to start the day with a lot more harmony and ease. Mm -hmm. And I notice you don't, you know, you take sometimes longer time than we have to put your shoes on. And I want to know what's going on there. Like what? So it's once again, it's approaching them with that respectful curiosity to try and understand you know, are they irritated with how many demands we're, we're making of them in the morning and they're deciding to dig their heels in, so to speak? Yeah. Um, or, you know, are they just distracted? Is trying to understand what's going on for them so that um, we can we can address it appropriately. Mm. I love that. And it really, it sounds like it's no different to what we need to do with our adult communication and that's the amazing thing about this process. It's um, it's quite a simple four-step process that's flexible enough to apply in almost every situation. With um, and we treat everyone with the same equal respect. So a newborn baby is has the same needs as someone in their eighties. Wow! And that whole continuum. So. The way we look at each other, I suppose, is with fresh eyes. It's quite a paradigm shift from the way we're raised to relate to each other. Right. And can you talk me through the four steps? Okay. So um, essentially it kind of there's almost a fifth step in that we start with setting our intention. Okay. So yep. our intention is to connect with ourselves and to connect with others in a compassionate and caring way. It's not to get our way. It's not to, um, you know, have a power over journey. So we get clear with ourselves about that to start with, that we're willing to hear no and we're really curious about it because no is not the end of a conversation either, mm. <laughs> as, some, you know, we're taught to think it is. Um, so entering with a curiosity and an open heart. So the first step is what happened? Um, what was it that I saw or heard or that stimulated my my feelings. If there are uncomfortable feelings, it means something important to me is not happening. And if they're comfortable feelings, it means that I have met needs and, and um, my values are in alignment. Um, often it's the unmet needs that we turn our attention to because that's where the distress is. So when I see the dishes in the dishwashers or the, the, um, the clothes strewn around the house and not in the washing basket, how do I feel? So I might feel annoyed or angry even um, mm. because maybe we've had, had this conversation a few times. And what are my needs? So the next step, the third step is tuning into what is that important value that matters to me that isn't happening. So it might be about order, um, consideration, um, trust, trusting that when we make an agreement, there's going to be follow through. So every situation is taken separately because each situation has its own collection of feelings and needs associated. And so when I work out, okay, I'm feeling really um, upset, I want to be able to trust when we've had this conversation that that there'll be follow through. So next step, what do I want to do? So that's a request because I'm giving myself empathy, all of this is happening in my mind, my request would probably be, okay, I want to speak to um, my husband about this. So I choose a time, once again, um, I don't go <laughs> barging in at the end of a day when we're both tired or when I'm, you know, full of a lot of hot energy. Um, <laughs> I think the entire audience just went, oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so picking our timing really matters. Um, because it's about connection, we really want to understand and resolve this. It's not about blaming or shaming or making someone wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, when we when we do have that opportunity to speak, and sometimes I might even kind of make an informal appointment. I might say, look, there's something I want to talk with you about. Um, are, you, have you, are you going to be around on Saturday morning? We have like a leisurely breakfast and have a chat. Mm -hmm. So I find a time when we're both going to be at our best. But if my partner uh, said that to me, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, they want a divorce. Oh, you know, okay, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I, and um, I probably yeah, wouldn't use the word big, gosh. It's just, you know, um, about so, trying to get more 
flow in our house, the way our house operates. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you for that. <laughs> we don't want them worrying all week unnecessarily. Yeah. And, yeah, so then when it comes, then I, you know, say I notice, you know, I'm, we've had this conversation about the clothes and yet it's still happening that I'm finding things in different rooms or, you know, on the floor in the bathroom. And I'm wondering what's, what's happening, you know, are you wanting a different strategy to make it easier to, to do this and try and understand what, what's going on for them once again yeah um and then I can we usually we give ourselves empathy first to calm ourselves down and keep us connected with ourselves then we give them empathy and that also helps calm them down and help them get the message that we do care about them we want to tune into what's going on for them and we're not coming from a place of blame Mm -hmm. and then I get to express my frustrations owning it you know when I see this I feel annoyed and um I need reassurance that that our conversations matter to you and that you're you know you're there's going to be that follow-through so I'm expressing myself in a way that they can hear I'm no longer really hot-headed um, I'm owning the way I feel and yet I'm also putting it out there as it it matters so you're longing for ease. Maybe my, my husband's wanting, you know, more ease and he just can't be bothered putting it into the laundry. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm, um, you know, I'm wanting cooperation and ease myself as well. You yeah. know, I like order. Yeah. It often happens we have similar needs. Isn't that um, and interesting? Th- and I think what you're saying is, is so profound because we treat the incident as the feeling but actually there's a feeling underneath there's a need underneath that and what Mm. you just said there is the example is that you've actually both got the same need one of you just needs ease and a sense that everything's just easy and that's why the laundry is not getting to the basket the other one wants ease um, because they just want their house in order because that makes them feel eased and relaxed um, so they yeah. want that thing in the basket, and it's. It, but so, what do we do there when? The, yeah, so we have different yeah. strategies. We ha- so far we've got different strategies for meeting the same need. Mm. So it's about recognizing, okay, this strategy it might be working for my husband. At the same time, it's not working for me. I don't have the ease of knowing what clothes need washing. Um, you know, I need to walk around the house and pick things up. It's certainly not meeting my need for ease. So then we just negotiate. I mean about, okay, what would work for you and what would work for me? Is there a different place we can put the washing basket? <laughs> you know, it, it sounds so basic when we break it. Yeah, it, it does. It so does. And yet um, how often does something small like the washing up grow into something far bigger than it need ever be? Yeah. I, I just think there's a whole bunch of people out there. Uh, I'll be very interested to have chats after this show goes live today. Um about just how much we all thought about our own experiences and and how sweating the small stuff just isn't working for anyone and how we can actually strategize, um, realize what the underlying need is and then come up with a plan. I love this because we talk about preventative health a lot. We don't talk about the preventative health experience um, or, or potential, I guess, in a relationship. The preventative health of a relationship is is actually proactively and compassionately working on these little things so they don't disconnect us from each other. Absolutely. And, you know, when we speak to people in this way, it reaches most people. Mm. Um, It sounds different to how we might usually speak. And that difference, as I said, can prevent an argument and create create more connection. Mm. So it's worth taking, taking the time. Yeah, we're also, you know, it makes it more likely that we'll be heard. Um, I like myself more <laughs> yeah. when I when I'm coming from my heart, and also I'm actually modelling emotional intelligence and you know healthy relationship skills to my children. Mm, which so is there's key. lots of yeah. to motivate me. Yeah, I love it. And what about when, um, you know, obviously. Uh, lots of festivities this time of year. Um, what about when it's not someone that's in our everyday, 
but it's like that family situation. And, you know, I don't think I've spoken to a family ever that doesn't have some situation where someone doesn't talk to someone and you can't sit Nana next to Betty because they'll have a fight or Uncle Gary's going to get angry if Cousin Mary's sitting next to him or, you know, I could go on and on. There's a billion examples out there. How do we avoid family tension? So with people that we don't necessarily see every day, um, do we use the same um, the same skills, the same steps to diffuse tensions in, in bigger family settings? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, once again, the first thing is to look at my own discomfort. Why? What is it that um, I'm feeling so uncomfortable about in relation to this gathering? Mm. Um, is it because I value harmony um, and, you know, I long for more ease and celebration you know I want everyone to have fun and for it to be a happy event and um, so tuning into how much I value harmony for example might influence um, the care that I take with um, seating for example or it might even lead me to have a conversation with those people before before the gathering mm-hmm. uh, you know I might um say, you know, I know that there's a disconnection between you and Uncle Gary and I want everyone to enjoy the day and I'm wondering what you might want to make the day most enjoyable for you. Uh, You know, they might might say don't invite Uncle Gary. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Pray tell, Paulette, what do we do in that situation? (laughs) Yeah, so to me that's that's an expression of their pain. Yeah. That's just, you know, so I would meet them where they are and just say something like, um, you know, it sounds like you're still upset or disgruntled and you're wanting some space to not see him. Mm-hmm. And so once again, just meeting them where they are, not making it right, not making it wrong, not colluding or adding to it, but just honouring and recognising that's how it is for them. Yeah. And I might even say something like, you know, I guess that um, it would be easiest for you if Uncle Gary didn't come. And at the same time, um, his family and it's respectful that they be included. Mm. And I'm wanting both of you to still enjoy the day and I'm wondering what might help with that. Yeah. So I'm being honest. I'm, I'm welcoming whatever they have to say and trying to hear um, their feelings and needs beneath their judgment. And Sometimes this kind of deep listening can make a difference, but ultimately um, it's their choice. You know, if they don't want to connect, um, that's okay. I can still have a great time. Um, I can do my best to to bring harmony into how things are organised and it's quite respectful for me to, um, as much as I long for harmony, to also honour their choice. Mm. And what you said earlier in our chat about not taking it on as you being at fault in some way, if they still just yeah. don't want to talk to that person, um, that that's a huge one for me because I tend to take everything personally if and that has absolutely nothing to do with me. Um, everything's probably an exaggeration, but you know I can I can very quickly become that person who thinks, okay, how can I help? How can I make it? Obviously something I'm doing here isn't working um, mm. and this is my fault that they're not going to speak today because I didn't do a good enough job of trying to convince them to connect. Um, so uh, is there... Yeah, it's kind there, of sad, isn't it? Because mm. we're turning, in a way, turning on ourselves and blaming ourselves yeah. for something that's really outside our our realm of influencing that we've done the best we can. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so holding ourselves with the same compassion and knowing, yes, I do value harmony and I feel really uncomfortable seeing their degree of disconnection. At the same time, I want this um, celebration to be fun for as many people as possible and you know, I'm going to respect that they're going to sit at different ends of the gathering and that's okay. Mm. They can still have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. not with each other. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And I I think that's so awesome. Uh, Hopefully that's going to help people with their mindset coming into this time of year. Um, And and I guess I'd love to just finish by asking of, of all the things we've spoken about, if there was 
one simple tip, simple script, simple situation that you feel comes up again and again in the sessions that you teach um, that we can all like, I guess, sort of actively start to employ in our own lives. I mean, there's been so much goodness, but I always like a bit of a refocus at the end of a chat where we've talked about so many different situations. What would be your top tip for us to feel more compassionate um, in our communications moving forward with the people we love? Okay, so, um, you know, as I've said, MVC is really about awareness of ourselves first and foremost and noticing our feelings and tuning into the messages from our bodies um, because our body's telling us, you know, that our needs are met with those comfortable feelings or they're unmet with those un- uncomfortable feelings. So a great an exercise I find useful is to ask yourself throughout the day, whenever you think of it, how am I feeling right now? And just developing a new habit of noticing our bodies, our feelings, and being kind to ourselves. And um, I remember doing this a long time ago and it got to the end of the day and I was lying in bed and realized I'd forgotten to tune in and ask myself that question all day. And I felt really sad and I was about to go down that familiar path of self-judgment and recrimination for having forgotten and I remembered MVC is about self-care and (laughs) compassion. (laughs) So I turned... I turned into that sadness and disappointment and um, just connected myself from there and instead of the self-flagellation. And, it, yeah, it, it was a beautiful experience. I'll never forget it because it organically I started to hold hope for, okay, so tomorrow um, what will support me? And I, I tuned it into I often have the radio on, so when the news came on, thought, okay, when the news comes on, I don't want to hear the news anyway. I'll turn it off (laughs) and tune into what am I feeling, what am I needing right now. Yeah. And so I think holding ourselves with compassion helps us to share compassion and speak compassionately to others. It's all. It all comes down to just filling up your own cup, getting, you know, checking in with yourself. I love that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, our bodies are always communicating with us and – I read somewhere um, that our bodies never never lie, and I think that's true. Um, so I invite you and, and your listeners to um, notice that for yourself. How is it for you what, when your body is communicating with you? Mm. Oh, wow. Thank you, Paulette. That was awesome. Um, yeah. Really, really great. And I think there's so many simple things we can do to um, not let our connection slide either to ourselves or to our um, the people we love or even possibly people we work with, friends, um, by, you know, meeting people where they're at but also not um, self-flagellating and, and shaming yourself in situations, mm. which for me is a real takeaway there that's so important as, as a piece of the overall picture. Our goal when we have a disagreement with someone is not – to make it all good for them so that we can feel better that they're feeling better. It's actually to, to look after ourselves in the process as well. So that was, that was a revelation. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and compassion starts with us. Yes, it does. It all starts with us. Everything. Um, changing the world starts with us. Mm-hmm. Be the change. It's a lesson yes. that we sometimes forget is one of the most important lessons of all. And, um, and thank you for reminding us of that today. I feel, um, I feel really excited now to – I feel armed, in a, in a, uh, armed with love, <laughs> armed with love oh, and compassion. Alex. Yeah. So, Thank and I, you. I'm sure everyone else will be feeling that too. We've got all of the details on how you can connect with Paulette and her work. If you're lucky enough to be in the local area and catch one of her workshops, um, I hear they are fabulous. So um, uh, you can see all of that on the show notes and, uh, and click through and, and find everything you need there about nonviolent communication or compassionate communication. Thanks again, Paulette. It was a great chat. Yeah, thank you too, Alex. Well, that's another show done. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Always so much inspiration from our beautiful guests. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you 
for taking the time to leave a review for our show because it helps us stay visible and helps other people who maybe haven't discovered it yet go, ooh, that looks like it might be worth a look. So if the show has provided value to you, there's nothing you can do to thank me more than to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you access the show from. So what you do is you just search generally in the podcast app. Don't be in the list of shows because you won't be able to leave a review there. So once you've searched generally, you'll see the tile come up and you click on that tile and then a little set of tabs will come up and the middle one is called review. And from there, you can click it, star rate it and leave a review. And I appreciate that so much. Now, if you want to connect with the rest of the Lotox Life community, we're over on Instagram at Lotox Life or on the main website where there are a whole bunch of recipes, some incredible e-learning opportunities depending on what your Lotox goals are. And that is www.lotoxlife.com. And of course, if you want to check out the podcast show notes, you just do forward slash podcast and everything's there. So I look forward to continuing our chats in between shows online in the community. (music) 